raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle, intercepted, Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way at the 30, the 40, Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick, the heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line, Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw, one-on-one, Davis has it, touchdown, Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division. Champion Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we go back onto the Tar Heel recruiting trail as we get ready for the commitment of one of the Tar Heels' final targets uh, we expect for the entirety of the 2024 class. As of right now, it is the last guy, and that is Javarius Green, the three-star wide receiver from Crest High School in Shelby, North Carolina. And we're going to talk about him here in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to set everything up for you guys as he gets ready to commit on Friday. But before we do that, we have to go on to the 2025 trail, where Carolina landed a guy just a few days ago, it, it, it seems. I mean, it's 12 days ago now. Um, but at the time, it was only 11 days prior. Uh, Gus Ritchie, the 2025 three-star athlete uh, from the state of North Carolina, from Pittsburgh High School, uh, or from uh, from Northwood High School, excuse me, in Pittsburgh, um, who flipped his commitment the uh, over the weekend from Carolina to NC State. He did so on Saturday. Uh, And as I mentioned, it it came not even two weeks after he ended up making his commitment. Now, if you don't know how his commitment went down, uh, basically, you know, he was a guy that had visited both Carolina and NC State a ton um, and apparently decided that Carolina was the place that he was going to go. He uh, dropped the quote to on three sports that, uh, a lot of people have been sharing uh, since he ended up committing where he basically said that nobody else had what Carolina had for him. So uh, most people at the time believed that this was 
shut down at least for the time being. Yeah, maybe NC State without frequent, he took visits there, would be a factor later on. But I don't think anybody saw this coming. He did he, he did commit as well. One of the other elements that I think a lot of people were really surprised about, he did commit with his entire family around him on the Noon Dish podcast, which is a Inside Carolina podcast that's hosted by Tommy Ashley and Don Callahan. And so this seemed pretty concrete. Man, this is a huge decision that early on, but it seemed like he really just loved Chapel Hill. And the other day, he goes on social media. He posts a uh, basically just, you know, a a notes, uh, you know, write up uh, of what is what his situation is, basically saying that he made his decision too quickly. He felt that he was being pulled in a different direction and flipped his commitment to NC State. And so there's a lot to talk about here, Zach. you know, first of all, just the, the the actual recruitment itself. You know, a lot of people that they have some theories on what exactly went down, uh, and I'm interested to hear what you think about what exactly happened. Uh, one of the most common ones that I see a lot of people saying is, "Look, was this something that was set up?" ahead of time and in his mind you know he thought that it was a good idea to commit to Carolina and then eventually flip he knew all along that he was going to go to NC State um but I I mean that's that's a pretty heavy accusation so overall what do you make of the situation Zach to land a guy like him in the 2025 class and then just 11 days later lose him to an in-state rival yeah, it's pretty hard to say a lot definitively in terms of what the motivation or motive is. But I think my main takeaway is it seems like North Carolina is perfectly fine. I, I guess not with the outcome, but it it just happened so quickly that it, it it hardly felt like there was any sort of real gain or loss there. It just seemed, you know, like it, it was one it was one direction one minute and, you know, another direction the next. And it is, you know, a guy that's a 2025 prospect. It's, it's, you know, another year away at most want to see, you know, how these guys develop where they want to play. Um, so, I, I mean, in terms of sort of reasonings or motivations, positional fit is something that has been discussed. Uh, schools are recruiting them. Um, as both a tight end and as a defensive end. Now, initially when he committed, it sounded like North Carolina's preference was defensive end. And when he decommitted, it sounds like, well, maybe he wants to play tight end, but you know, information that has come out since then suggests that North Carolina was open to letting him play tight end if that's what he wanted. So it it doesn't really seem like that. You know, there's, like you mentioned, there's the accusation out there that this was sort of a planned event of you know committing quote-unquote to North Carolina and then flipping to you know try to create a reaction or create buzz or whatever people you know will want to uh, sort of place blame at the NC State staff for this sort of tactic I don't know if that's real I to be quite honest I don't don't really know if it matters just because this you know happened so quickly it it really doesn't have sort of the the lasting sting if it was a long time commit or if if it was you know someone that was you know 
a little bit higher rated if it was, you know, a, a full composite four star, a top 200 guy, something like that. You never want to see a flip, I guess. But it, it, it's really just hard to have a ton of emotions about this overall. Uh, I, I think that there's a severe possibility uh, that it could just be, you know, at face value, just a, a lack of, you know, truly going through where you wanted to be. Now, I, I don't I don't know if I feel that way 100 percent just because I'm why commit in the first place if you were just going to flip in, you know, uh, ba- basically less than two weeks in relation to this. So it, it's really difficult to say one way or the other where this is going is it done now i don't know i i think that you know obviously they're back down to one commit on the board for 2025 but it's the 2025 class it's still a good ways away so it's really hard in my opinion to really get too worked up about the whole situation just because it came and went so quickly and it really i i don't think that anyone you know any other recruits mind is necessarily going to be swayed by this event uh, of you know there being some sort of shifting narrative in the state I, I mean we've we've heard this time and time again as it relates to recruiting battles between North Carolina and NC State and you know NC State is going to win their fair share of battles but we've not seen this dramatic shift of you know it, any other in-state school really you know running the state or you know locking down the state to the extent that we've seen North Carolina do so over the past few years and when they haven't such as in this cycle it's been out of state schools sort of you know cherry picking guys that they want so it it really it obviously it's a flip to one of your major rivals so it's hard to say that that's not a big deal but this feels like one of the least impactful rivalry flips that I can think of in recent memory yeah, and, and I think it goes into, you know, everything that you said. I think the timing of it, especially as you were saying, if this was really just to try to create a little bit of buzz and everything, I mean, look, to, to a certain extent, I guess it did. But, I mean, I don't really know if that's changing a lot of minds in the state of North Carolina. I mean, it was an 11-day commitment. Like, it's it's an odd scenario overall. Um Either, you know, any way you cut it, it's not the greatest look for the kid. Um, but, I mean, look, at the same time, you know, he's free to do that. That's one of the things. When you're going through the recruiting process, you are free to change your mind that quickly. Um, I think it should be a cautious tale to kids in the area that, look, if you are sort of on the fence about where you're going, it's probably not the best thing to go ahead and commit. Um, you know, I, but, but there are some rumors, you know, in, in fairness to him. And this is the thing when these types of scenarios go down, it's really hard to try to figure out what exactly happened. We'll never actually know what happened because there's people that are rumoring that it was, you know, his parents, uh, either his mom or his dad. I think most people believe it was the mother was, really pushing him to go to Carolina. It's closer to home, albeit really not that much closer. I mean, it's they're, they're both right in that same area. So, of course, uh, either one was a pretty close drive. But um, they, there was a push from her for him to go to Carolina, and that's why he ended up making the commitment. In the end, he ultimately liked NC State better. Um, but, I, I mean, 
it's so hard to figure out what exactly happened here. If it, if it was, you know, a move to try to, you know, get people to believe that he was committed to Carolina when he was really committed to NC State the entire time. All I'll say about that is I would really hope that this is not the next wave of what we see from recruits. Um, we've seen this before. It's it's nothing different where they basically try to dupe out um, you know, schools when they're on the table for a decision. We've seen commitment videos now that do it where uh, they have, you know, it's it's a video that starts out basically drawing the logo of one of the finalists and then well uh, it turns into the commitment graphic of them for another team i hope this is not the next wave of what recruits are going to do go and commit to a school and then flip to the other school uh within you know a, a short period of time that would be something but i got to tell you We've seen it before with recruiting, so you never really know what could be the next wave. Um, in terms of what it does for Carolina, I mean, look, you, you never do want to lose a player to a team in-state, uh, especially, you know, NC State's your biggest rival in the sport of football. There's no doubt about that. Um, so it's never it's never good to lose a player uh, to a school like NC State. I know, look, it's still very early on in the 2025 cycle, so there's a chance that Gus Ritchie is not a top 10 prospect um, by the time that it's all said and done. But, look, he's a talented player. You saw it on the film. Uh, and, you know, I, I think him along the defensive line made a lot of sense for Carolina. I saw him in person. I thought, you know, when, when I saw him a couple of years ago, uh, he, he was worth the hype. The dude's pretty legit, um, extremely athletic for a defensive end. I will say, you know, watching him as a tight end, I, I wasn't necessarily blown away. So if there was a push for him to be a tight end, then it makes a little bit of sense why Carolina maybe wanted him to be a defensive end. But now there's, as you said, there are rumors that Carolina was open to him playing either spot. So that thought of, hey, he just went to NC State because they were more open to him playing either one, uh, it doesn't seem like that's really something that w played a factor in it unless they are just completely off base on what the Tar Heels were thinking. Uh, but, you know, I, I think in terms of should you be concerned about what this ultimately means for Carolina? I, I, I don't really think so. Um, look, NC State, they landed a big fish in Jonathan Paylor in this past class. But, hey, Carolina, they did a good job as well, landing Alex Taylor, Malcolm Ziegler, Jordan Ship. These are guys that were big names. And if you look at you know what Carolina did in the rest of the state as opposed to NC State, I mean, Carolina really did a much better job recruiting in the state in 2024. So all those names that Carolina, you know, was able to bring in in this class in a year, Zach, that we sat here and said was an off year for Carolina. I think they're still going to be okay. And you look at, you know, some of the some of the guys uh, that are big time names in the 2025 class. I mean. We just saw you know, earlier this week that uh, Carolina landed in Bryce Davis's uh, top school list. It seems like, you know, David Sanders, Carolina, 
Uh, I don't, you know, know how good their chances are to actually land him, being the number one overall recruit in the entire country in the 2024 cycle. But it seems like the Tar Heels are at least going to be a factor there. So uh, I, I think Carolina is going to be perfectly fine moving forward uh, in the state of North Carolina. It's just, you know, of course, when something like this happens, you're going to see panic. Uh, from the fan base so let's move on from the 2025 class let's go back to the 2024 class and as I mentioned Javarius Green uh, is getting ready to announce his commitment now he is the last target as of right now that Carolina has in the 2024 class so we've talked in years past about hey how quickly things move now Uh, Carolina pretty much puts together uh, the majority of their class in the summer, and then they'll have a few that extend into the fall that they're still recruiting. That is not the case this time. They are going to have pretty much everything done before the start of the season. Uh, I would be absolutely stunned if Carolina adds anybody else to this class if they end up landing the commitment of uh, Javarius Green. Because, look, if Carolina lands that commitment, they are – I, I, I mean, you're, you're talking about a class that would have 26 players in it as of right now. So, uh, Carolina, they, they, this is a huge class. We've heard Mac Brown say before that sometimes they will take less to make sure they have room for transfers. Well, that is not at all the, the approach that they're taking to this class. So, you know, Zach, I think this is one that the staff really wants to have. It's a guy that they've been recruiting for a while. What do you feel like right now heading in? Do you feel pretty confident about Carolina's chances to walk away with the commitment from uh, the Crest High School senior who is about to begin his final season? Yeah, and I think we've discussed it several times, uh, but despite the uh, movement in his commitment date, there's not really been any indication that he is leaning anywhere else in terms of his recruitment. I don't think that, you know, even when there's been slight opportunities, he's not made any visits. There's no indication of any increased conversation with the other schools that he had involved you know, they're at the end of this recruitment. So it does generally seem like that this is just a movement in the date rather than the change in the outcome. And North Carolina seems, you know, to be very well positioned in terms of his commitment. Um, In in terms of their wide receiver hall on the whole, they've gotten a little bit more of those, you know, longer outside guys, 6'2", 6'3". So at 5'10", 5'11", probably just from a body standpoint, he'll be more of that slot guy. He'll sort of give a little bit more balance in this wide receiver room for 2024 specifically. And yeah, I, I it, it, there's really uh, a lot of difficulty to say anything else just because there's not been any new information. It's just been sort of a waiting game until this moment. Carolina has continued to feel good and, you know, it looks like, full steam ahead heading into Friday's commitment. Yeah, I I think you're 100% right. You know, if you would have seen him take a visit in that final weekend of July to either Michigan State or Alabama, maybe you feel like they got a chance. But look, when Alabama offered him uh, back in, uh, I think it was late May that they ended up extending that offer to him, 
I mean, there were some people that definitely got concerned, but I, I don't really know why he got one. Same thing with uh, a guy like Ryan Ward, who's committed to Carolina, but it never seemed like either one of those guys even really entertained it that much. I know he included them as one of his final three, but I mean, the fact of the matter is he visited there once, he got the offer, and he never went back, so... I don't know, you know, was it ever really even a committable offer? I think that's an interesting angle that you have to take on it. And then with Mich- with Michigan State, I mean, look, I-, I think Michigan State, we saw them beat out Carolina already once in this class. But I feel like, you know, especially at the wide receiver position, you know, Carolina, they are going to be able to out-recruit just about everybody in the country at this point if you base it off of what they have done developing receivers. And I feel like that probably came into play here. Um, as you mentioned, I think when the, his commitment got pushed back, there were a lot of people, and, and I was amongst them, that were concerned about uh, what this could mean for his recruitment. And you remember during that time the amount of different guys that were announcing their decisions, and it really made you wonder – is he looking at this and saying, hey, if, if Carolina lands a certain number of guys, then I'm not going to be going there. I don't want to be a part of a class that's that big. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like he just pushed it back. Apparently the date, August 18th, is a special one for him and his family. So it makes sense why he ended up pushing it back uh, and is now going to make his decision. I would be absolutely stunned at this point uh, if he – ends up going anywhere else. And that means that Carolina is going to have four wide receivers committed in this wide receiver class. And uh, I think, Zach, you know, you look at Carolina and the way they've recruited that wide receiver position. I mean, even this past year, the group of freshmen that are on campus right now uh, that they just brought in uh, were an extremely uh, successful group in high school, you know, how do you think this wide receiver room stacks up? I mean, this is this has got to be one of the better recruiting halls that Carolina's had at the wide receiver position, uh, even with some of the other ones that Carolina has brought in in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, these are guys that we've been looking at for a while here in, term, in terms of this cycle. So it's not like that these prospects are necessarily new, but this is just somewhat par for the course in terms of how this position has been recruited by North Carolina through sort of Mac Brown 2.0 and having, you know, Lonnie Galloway specifically as your wide receiver coach. They've really not struggled in that regard. They've been able to not only recruit high level guys, but then, um, you know, develop guys that did not have that sort of as high of a rating coming out of high school, but they've, they've basically never struggled to find production as long as Lonnie Galloway has been the wide receiver coach, not to mention, they've also had the quarterbacks to do that as well. But, you know, the wide receivers have been a big help there in that department. Now we'll see sort of how that process moves as there is going to be a new offensive coordinator, obviously we would imagine. And, you know, as you mentioned previously, comments sort of put this a little bit up in the air but we would imagine you know in all likelihood that this would be uh drake may's last season in chapel hill so we'll see sort of how those things change over the next couple years but you know just based on the recent track record they've 
been very good at recruiting the position, and it certainly looks like that is going to continue and has continued thus far in the 2024 cycle and likely will continue until proven otherwise. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you look at the way that this class worked out. I I love the balance in it, too. And we've talked so much about this, about the way that they recruit um, this position in particular, of really trying to build it uh, the way that it's been built the entire time here. And I think, once again, you know, especially if they get Javarius Green, which looks pretty obvious at this point, uh, they'll do exactly what we've really been wanting them to do each and every year, uh, especially with the, with the era of the transfer portal. Uh, and they've gotten a slot receiver with Green. Uh, they've got guys that are sort of, you know, shifty creators on the outside that can give you what uh, you need in that intermediate passing game in both Alex Taylor and Jordan Ship. And then you've got your guy that can be an over-the-top threat. Now, I think that's the one thing. This class does lack that true big, deep threat uh, that, you know, we've seen so many other classes bring in. But, hey, when you got a guy, Chris Culliver, in this past class, who, by the way, is apparently just lighting it up to start fall camp. Like, this guy, I know he came in in the fall. He's got a chance to play pretty early for Carolina. So, uh, I, I, I think Carolina is in really good shape here. And the way that they keep low, uh, restocking uh, the wide receiver room over and over again, I, I mean, you just – you got to give a ton of credit to Lonnie Galloway. Not only is he a great position coach the way that he's developing these guys, uh, maybe the best on the team, uh, he might be the best recruiter on the team as well. Uh, because you look at – you know, I, I mentioned it. Carolina, you know, we – this was a class in 2024 that we were not sitting here pounding our chest over in the state. And they still were able to rally and find success late with some of the top uncommitted prospects in the state. Well, two of the three guys that Carolina landed that are inside the top 15, according to 24 seven sports composite rankings are at the wide receiver position. So this position in particular carried this class once again, and you, you got to just give it up to him. And, and of course, Mac Brown, uh, both guys that have done a tremendous job of putting this group together. Um, so, yeah, I, that pretty much is going to close it down for the 2024 class. Of course, we will have you covered uh, on, you know, Carolina moving forward in the 2024 class. And we'll, of course, have you covered with the upcoming commitment over on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. There'll be a commitment preview up there for you guys, as well as reaction to whatever happens uh, to uh, on Friday with Javarius Green's decision. If he ends up you know, doing the unthinkable, we'll have that reaction as well. Uh, and where Carolina would go from there is they would probably have to continue their search for a slot receiver, although – we don't think that's going to be much of an issue. Uh, also, high school football season is starting back up, guys. And, uh, you know, you listening to this edition of the podcast, we're a part of WFNZ. Well, you guys are definitely going to want to tune in. This one will be on the stream only. It'll be over on WFNZ.com, but you guys can check it out. I will actually be on the play-by-play call of one of Carolina's, uh, you know, wide receiver commits in his first game of his senior season. Keenan Jackson and the Weddington Warriors will take on 
the Cox Metal Chargers. So make sure that you guys uh, keep an eye out on that over on uh, WFNZ.com. And you'll be able to hear uh, that first game of the year as he tries to kick off what should be a very successful senior year for him uh, at one of the state's powerhouses. He has a chance. You know, he goes from Cuperson High School over to Weddington. Uh, that's a team that has a chance to win a state title just about every year. So it uh, should be a very interesting year for him. We'll, of course, uh, keep you covered on that. And as of right now, I haven't gotten it yet, but I am attempting to get credentials for uh, the Key Pounding Classic, which is the Saturday event in uh, Bank of America Stadium. So that game involves Providence Day Northwestern. I will be keeping an eye on during that game if I do get credentialed. Jordan Schiff, who I just talked about a minute ago as well. So plenty of stuff will be up there on the website for you guys as well. I'll give you scouting reports on both of those guys from what I see from each player uh, over the weekend as uh, high school football season is back and I get a chance to get a look uh, at some of these guys, do the full game scouting reports, which I always love. So uh, that should be fun. In terms of the on the field, the 2023 season for the team, uh, just announced today that they are uh, number 21 in the AP poll. So that's where they'll start the season. That's the number that will be beside their name uh, when they take the field on that first Saturday, September uh, 2nd, against the South Carolina Gamecocks, who are unranked, by the way. So – uh, very interesting matchup there in the Queen City. Carolina will be the one team that will be ranked. Um, so make sure you read that article on the website, breaking down uh, Carolina's kind of checkered past when it comes to preseason rankings. Uh, also over there on the website, we've uh, got those position previews rolling out for you guys. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye out on that. We'll have the, uh, the, the articles we love to do every year, bold predictions, breakout players, we, of course, are still going to be keeping you updated on everything coming out of fall camp. Any uh, injury news, any other type of news, as well as uh, just what the players, coaches, Mac Brown, what all those guys are saying when they do meet with the press. We have all of that on the website for you guys leading up to the opener against South Carolina. Where we'll do exactly what we did last year, preview recap of the game and then we will of course have our stock report that we'll be giving you each and every week so make sure you are keeping an eye out for all of that stuff at heeltoughblog.com so once again that wraps up for this edition of the podcast want to thank zach for stopping by with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go target Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.